Thanks for joining us here at Thrive Church. We are a church passionate about moving people towards Jesus. For more information, go to our website, www.thrivechurch.co.za. Good morning, church. What an amazing morning to be in church. Can I just say, the second service looks so much better than the first service. I guess it's the perks of being able to sleep late, but you may be seated, church. You may be seated. It truly is an honor and a distinctive privilege for me to encourage us in the Word of God this morning. Um, And I really believe that throughout this series, this new series, because we're starting um, a new series this morning titled, Even If He Doesn't, I Will. And I believe that throughout the duration of this series, God wants to instill a new sense of faith into the life of our church. I believe that God wants to change our, our perspective. And my prayer is that we as a church would lean into the presence of God this morning and that we would open our hearts up to the Word of God because I genuinely believe that God is in the business of changing hearts. Shall we pray, church? Father, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would speak to us right now through your word. Father, thank you, Lord, that your word says, Father God, that when your word goes out, it will never return unto us void, Lord. And I pray, Jesus, that this morning you would change people's hearts, Father, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. I feel that God gave me an assignment this morning through his word to encourage us from stopping short of something that God might have promised to you. And I believe that he's given me something from his word that's going to keep that from happening in our lives. So I don't know about you, but when I was at school during my grade 11 year, I was often one of those guys who had their whole life planned out from start to finish. I knew what varsity I wanted to go study at. I knew what age I wanted to complete my studies at. I mean, I even knew when I wanted to buy my first house and car. I had everything planned out. I had my life so planned out that I even planned when I would meet the woman of my dreams. I was like, God, firstly, we're going to meet up in the church. And I'll know she's the right one for me if she responds like, Tyrell, man, you're the finest caramel brother I've ever seen. (laughs) I mean, I had everything planned out. But then life happened. And all of a sudden, I found myself in uncertainty. All of a sudden, I found myself in this place where nothing seemed to go as planned. And all of a sudden, the promises that God had for my life became a blur. And I think so often in life, it's in that place. It's in the uncertainty that you and I lose sight of the promises that God has for our lives. Hebrews 10 verse 36 says, You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. This doesn't sound like a suggestion. It has the tone of a command. Notice, you need to persevere. Why? Why, church? Why would God say you need to persevere? Church, did you know that God can make you a promise you'll never possess if you don't learn how to persevere? See, God promises to get you from point A to point B. But God never shows us the in-between. And I think so often in life, it's in the in-between. It's in the uncertainty that you and I give up or fall short of the promises that God has for our lives. And I believe that there are people here this morning, and you know that you have stopped short. Or you're on the verge of stopping short of something that God put inside you. Something that He spoke to you. Perhaps it's a dream or a goal. And you're ready to give up. You're ready to give in. But can I encourage you, church? You need to persevere. You need to push on. There's a story in the Old Testament 
in the book of Joshua chapter 6. And this story takes place after the Israelites had left Egypt, wandered in the desert for 40 years, and now they finally entered the land that God has promised to them. But the only problem is there's a bunch of obstacles in front of them. And so now the Israelites have to figure out some way of obtaining the promise that God has for them. And I think a lot of our Christian life is like that. Because Scripture says that God has made you and I some promises. But church, just because God has promised it, doesn't mean that we possess it yet. And so now in Joshua chapter 6, we see God's people as they're about to take possession of the promise God gave them. And so Joshua sends some spies into the land of Jericho, the land that God has promised them. But the only problem is that the walls of Jericho are securely barred. But the interesting thing is that even though the walls of Jericho were securely barred, God was like to Joshua, yo bro, like don't stress, don't sweat it man. The victory is yours. And so God spoke to Joshua and said to Joshua, I want you to, wa- to march around the walls once with all the armed guards. And I want you to do this for six days. And so Joshua grabs everyone. The priests with the ram's horns, the armed guards, his aunts, his uncles, his master gunners, you know, everybody, you name it. And day one came and they marched. And day two came and they marched. And day three came, and they marched. And I can imagine how they must have felt, because I don't know about you, but me and walking just simply don't get along. And the Bible says that they did this for six days. The title of my message this morning is The Promise Still Stands. And God gave me this message at a time in my life when I wanted to quit the most, when everything in me wanted to quit and give up on the promises that God had for my life. But we stop short, and if I'm thinking of reasons why you and I stop short, the first reason would have to be our perspective is often blocked. So God says to Joshua in verse 2, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. Firstly, God God is speaking in past tense about a battle that Joshua hasn't even fought yet. Only God can do that. And I want you to know this morning, church, that God speaks in the past tense about the battles that you and I are currently facing. It's his heavenly perspective. Now imagine you're Joshua, and God says, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. In other words, you've got this, Joshua. The victory is yours. And so Joshua looks up, and what does he see? Go back to verse 1. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred. So God says, I've given it into your hands. Joshua looks up and sees a city that is securely barred. What do you do when what you see looks nothing like what God is saying? When what you see in your situation looks nothing like what God is saying in your spirit? Have you ever felt like God is speaking to you about peace, but inside you feel broken? Have you ever felt like God is pushing you to tell somebody about Christ, but inside you have your own doubts about God? See, it wasn't the size of Jericho that made it a big battle. It was the size of the walls. But verse 1 also gives us a clue as to what God could see that Joshua could not see. Because God sees beneath our situation. And this is what God could see that Joshua could not see. That the gates were barred. Why? Because of the Israelites. And what I want you to know this morning, church, the intensity of the opposition in your life is proof of the power of God's promise in your life. The reason the gates were locked 
The reason the walls were high was because the enemy was intimidated. Church, if you and I can just change our perspective and start seeing things the way God sees them, we'd save ourselves all the stress, all the worry, and we'd realize that we have hope in the fact that our God is a faithful God. The second reason why you and I stop short is because our progress isn't always obvious. And I think you have to imagine this miracle like you've never heard it before. I don't know if you know the kids' church song, but I used to sing it while I was growing up. And it goes a little bit like this. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. And the walls came tumbling down. Boom, boom. Not only is that a little bit out of sequence, because the walls came down first, then Joshua fought the battle, but it's overly simplified. I think if Joshua had to hear it, he, if Joshua had to hear it, he would have been like, hold up, wait a minute. I don't ever want to hear you sing that song again. <laughs> 40 years, 40 years of wandering. And then when I finally thought I was going to get in, 40 years after I got my PhD in wandering, God had a meeting with me and said, now I want you to take seven days of exercise. Like, where's all of that in the song? And so I'm thinking to myself, if God is orchestrating this miracle in a way to keep Joshua and the people of Israel motivated, which might I add might be a great idea because it's kind of like a senseless act of obedience to walk around the walls for six days. And then on the last day, a loud shout is going to bring it down. Like, I mean, can we all agree that's a bit far-fetched? Like, it's like, like, it's like come on, God, like, 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 stop pulling my leg, you know what I'm saying? And so I'm thinking to myself, if God is trying to motivate us, or if God is trying to motivate Joshua and the people of Israel, each time they take a lap, I'm going to remove some bricks from the wall. Like, one-seventh of the wall is just going to be removed. I don't know if you've ever played Tetris before, but it's kind of like that. So each time they take a lap, doo-doo, you beat that level. Take another lap. Doo-doo, you beat that level. I'd be so motivated to take another lap. But read the text, though. That's not what happened. For seven days, nothing moved. Not a single brick fell. And this is why I hate exercise. And if you love exercise, then you need Jesus. Because I want the work of the progress to be apparent immediately. Like if in the middle of a plank, my abs could just start to pop. Like pop, 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 pop. I mean, I could do a plank all day. But we walk by faith and not by sight. And so this is the question of faith, church. Can you believe that God is working even when the wall hasn't moved at all, when your situation hasn't changed a bit. And I'm thinking to myself, but why would God orchestrate the miracle like this? Why would God have them walk around the walls for six days? And God said to me, obedience is your responsibility. The outcome is mine. The real faith that will finish and endure the promise, whatever that promise might be, the promise that God gave to you through His Word, to you through His Spirit, is will you have the faith to believe that God is working even when it isn't working? 
See, I think so often in life we're so consumed by the battle that we want God to win for us that we lose sight of the most important battle, which is the battle that God wants to win inside of us. And I think so often it's in the walking and it's in the wandering and it's in the unknown that our faith is being developed, that God is doing stuff in us. And I think it's in these moments in life, church, that God is teaching us to have faith, that God is reminding us of the fact that He's a good, good Father. Church, just because your progress isn't always obvious doesn't mean your faith isn't working. And I want to encourage someone here this morning, the promise still stands. The promise still stands. I know some things might have happened in your life, but I need you to know that the promise still stands. Even if the wall stands between you and the promise, I need you to know the promise still stands. God says, if I am for you, who can ever be against you? The promise still stands. So now I want you to imagine this, this miracle. I want you to imagine that, that we're the soldiers and we're going to take down Jericho. And you put it in your schedule, take down Jericho. And again, verse 14 says that they did this for six days. Now six days doesn't sound like a long time, but when your leader might have turned into a lunatic, six days can be a long time. Now in case you're wondering, anytime you see the number six in the Bible, Six represents the number of man. Seven, on the other hand, represents perfection. Six is your number. Seven is God's number. And so they did this for six days. And you know, I think it would have been so easier to march around the walls for six days if I knew that on the seventh day, the walls were coming down. But they didn't know how long it would be like that. And I believe that there are people here this morning, and you're on lap two, and you're on lap three, Year four, year five, year six. But see, the reason why you and I stop short is because our perspective is often blocked, our progress isn't always obvious, and thirdly, because the process is open-ended. How long, Lord? That's the burning question in someone's heart this morning. Like, I don't mind walking. God, I'll serve you, but, but I'm limping now. How long, Lord? I didn't know that it would take this long. I didn't know that it would hurt this much. How many people are going to leave me in my life? How long, Lord? Because I don't mind walking. I just need to know that it's working. How long, Lord? How long am I going to watch my kids make bad decisions? How long am I going to stand here and pray? How long, Lord? And God says, if I let you in on the first lap, You'd think that it was your walking that got you in. You'd think that it was your shout that brought down the walls. But I need you to have faith to take another step. Just one more step. Wouldn't it be great if life had a lapse left box? Just to let you know, oh God, you're so close. Wouldn't it be great if life waved its white flag? Just to let you know, you've got just one more lap. Just one more month. If you can stay up under it for just one more day. But see, life doesn't wave its white flag. And so instead, we wave our white flag of surrender. As if to say, God, I can't do this anymore. God, I don't have the strength to get through this anymore. God, if you don't come through, I won't make it. 
And God says, good. Now you're ready to go in. Because now you know it wasn't because you walked so good that I did so much. But it was because he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of completion, church. I want to encourage someone here this morning. Take another lap. Take another step. You're closer than you think you are. It's working more than you think it is. God is doing stuff in you you can't see. So don't stop because you can't stop because the promise still stands. Church, I want to encourage you today. Don't stop believing God. Don't stop having faith in God. See, if you and I can change our perspective, if you and I can realize our progress isn't always obvious, and if you and I can realize that the process is open-ended, the promises that God has for our lives still stand. The promise that God spoke to you over your life, over your family's life, over your children's life, if you would just persevere a little bit longer, if you would just keep the faith, God says those promises will be fulfilled in your life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Church, would you stand to your feet and help me welcome to the stage the one and the only Matthew Tupper as he encourages us further. Good morning, church. Wow. Whew. That was fire. That was fire. You guys can sit. You, guys, you don't have to. I'm not going to make you stand for the whole thing here. <laughs> thank you so much, Charles. That was absolute fire. Um, thank you so much for that brilliant message. Church, I'd like to also echo um, in honoring, I'd like to echo Tyrell in honoring Pastor Byron and Pastor Candice in their absence. Um, it's such a privilege to be able to speak this morning. And, you know, it's not a platform I take lightly. So we've kicked off with a new series. Even if he doesn't, I will. And, you know, um, Tyrell's just mentioned today on, on, you know, how the promise still stands. And we're speaking on the promise. And, you know, God is able to fulfill every promise that he makes. But even if he doesn't, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? You know, we've been on a journey with the Israelites on how they persevered um, in walking around the city of Jericho. And they persevered for seven days until it came down. But, you know what, sometimes we sit here and we think, okay, well... I've been persevering, I've been walking, but I see no results. I'm walking and I'm persevering and it's day six and I still see no results. What now? And I think sometimes we just have to, we just have to wait. We just have to wait on the Lord. You see, I can imagine the, 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 the process of the Israelites and just the mindset that they went through. I mean, they've walked around the wall. They're walking back to the camp, kicking the dust. Oh, what a long day, you know. Whew. Can you imagine the campfire talks that went on? Can you imagine the discussions that went on at night when they were lodged back at the camp? I mean, sheesh, it must have been something. But they continued to persevere during the day. And they continued, and then they waited in the evening. Now, Church, I'm not talking about a stagnant, passive, wait for better days kind of wait. No, no, I'm talking about an active, solid, readiness, wait on God. And the actual word and the definition, and I love this definition, it's a verb. And it says, remain in readiness for a purpose. Remain 
in readiness for a purpose. And you might think, okay, well, what, what does that look like? You know, what do you mean by remaining in readiness for a purpose? Well, it's simple. Think of it like this. You're at a train station. You're waiting for a train. Your purpose is to get onto that train. You, you're in the presence of where the train's going to be. You're listening out for it. You're waiting for it. Oh, there it comes, you know. And you're going to fulfill your purpose of getting on that train. You're ready for it. Or maybe, maybe it's dating. Maybe you're dating someone and you know, you know within your heart that's the right person. And you are intentional about getting to know them. You're intentional about getting to know everything that, that oh, you want to spend time with them. You want to be with them. You're ready for that purpose. Or maybe it's the new phone. The new, brand new phone is coming up. Has everyone seen the new Samsung that can like do the whole bendy thing? That's, that's so cool. And you're going to get this thing. So you know it's coming out in a week, and you know that you're going to get it. And when you get it, you're going to use it to its full capacity. So you study it. You study the specs. You know it inside out. You know it upside down. And you know that you're going to get this. You're ready for it. And it's the same with us. When we wait on the Lord, we spend time in His presence. We pray. We worship. We get to know Him. We're intentional about getting to know everything about God and all His specs and His Word. And, and just being intentional about that. Jesus even said, um, it's, it's remaining in God. That's what waiting is. And Jesus says it in 5, John 15 verse 4. It says, remain in me and I will remain in you. But you know, sometimes we tend to not want, not want to do that. You know, in our waiting, we, we get bored or we get busy and we, we tend to go away from remaining in God. I know, I've done it. You know, your busyness of the day or you just, sometimes it's just laziness. And we tend to stay away from getting into God's presence, you know, and sometimes it's not even intentional. Sometimes we just do it. But church, let's remain in God. Let's keep waiting on Him. Remain in that readiness for the purpose. So this morning I have two thoughts on waiting. Two thoughts that at the end of the day we can stand here and say, okay, I know that God is able to fulfill every promise. But even if He doesn't, I will wait. Two thoughts, and thought number one is waiting on the Lord renews our strength. Isaiah 40 verse 31 says, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. So this is saying when we spend time in God's presence, when we spend time in his word, we shall renew our strength. And you know, we need perseverance. That, that's great. We, we do. We need, 100% need to persevere. But we get tired. Church, we get weary. We get frustrated. You know, and, and it, it gets, um, we get tired from, and, and when we do, it, like persevering until the end, persevering until the promise comes, doesn't look so grand anymore. It doesn't look so nice. But we need to then go to the source of our strength, who is Jesus Christ, to renew our strength. Waiting on the Lord renews our strength. And I love how intentional this is, because it doesn't say those who God brings to wait. No, no, it says those who wait. We get a choice if we want to wait on God or not. And those who choose to wait on God, they will renew their strength. The Israelites, they did this. They they had a really healthy balance of persevering and waiting. We see it in Joshua 6 verse 11. It says that they came back and they lodged in camp. Can you imagine, like for six days, they they had this, this this great balance of perseverance and waiting. Come back to camp, wait on the Lord, renew their strength. 
get up the next morning, okay, we're going to persevere around the wall, we're going to persevere around the wall, we're going to walk this wall, we're going to go, we're persevering, we're persevering, and then they come back to camp. They come back, and they lodge there, and they wait on the Lord, and renew their strength. And then day two, they get up, and they go, and they're walking around the wall, and they're walking, and they're persevering. They've got it. They, they're doing this. Come on now. We've got this. And then they come back to camp. And they sit, wait on the Lord, and renew their strength. And they did this for six days. Six days with no physical evidence of victory. No physical evidence of a stone moving. Man, can you imagine six days of doing that? That can be, that can be daunting. That can be whew, tiring and repetitive and just, oh, that, that can be, I can imagine six days felt like forever. <laughs> six days felt like forever. But they kept persevering and they kept waiting on the Lord and kept renewing their strength. We need to do the same, church. And sometimes for everyone, it looks different. You know, maybe it's the sickness you're, you're fighting and you're holding onto the promise of healing, but you just don't see any healing. Or maybe it's a job and provision. You're waiting for the job and you're, you're, you're waiting for it, but there's, still, there's nothing in the pipeline. You know, you know you need to provide for the family. It's still nothing. Or maybe it's singleness. Maybe you're holding on to the promise of finding that right person. But still nothing looks like it's in the pipeline just yet. We need to, we need to keep persevering and we need to keep waiting. Because even when there's no physical evidence of something happening, even when it's day five and there's no physical evidence of a stone moving, we grow tired, we grow weary, we grow doubtful, and you know what? It makes us want to quit. But can I encourage you, church, don't quit. Keep persevering and keep renewing your strength. Keep waiting on the Lord, the readiness in the purpose. Just keep waiting on the Lord, renewing your strength. And this is what will happen. We see in the rest of Isaiah 40, verse 31, it says, Those who um, wait on the Lord renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. Waiting on the Lord renews our strength. Thought number two is don't trust the promise. Trust the promiser. So many of, well, some of you might know that before I came here on staff, I used to work at a music store. And this was quite a lesson. Even before getting that job, it was, it was quite a lesson learned. I didn't understand it back then, but I understand it now. And this lesson I learned was I had to not trust the promise that was given, but trust the promiser who gave it to me. And so before I got the music, uh, before I got the job at the music store, the, the manager came up to me and said, hey, Matt, we've got this position open for you. You're perfect for the position. You've pretty much got the job. But we have to go through some formalities for the owner's sake. And um, so yeah, come, come by the store and we'll do an interview for you. I'm like, great stuff. I'm getting excited now. I'm like, yes. Okay, cool. I'm like, I'm ready to do this. I'm, there's a bright future. It, it looks like... I'm, I'm writing my resignation letter already. I'm ready to hand it in. I'm ready to, to jam the instruments and learn more about it. It's, I'm really excited about this. I even get my sales pitch going. Like, I'm ready for my sales pitch. And many of you will know that I had, you'll see a picture coming up. I had long hair back then. And 
<laughs> scarred for life. <laughs> and that's not a wig. That's not a wig. That's real hair. It's gone now. <laughs> and I had my sales pitch going on and everything. With the long hair, I do a whole L'Oreal thing, you know, like, Derek, you need this guitar because you're worth it. <laughs> I'm ready, ready to go. <laughs> and in all the excitement, in all the, like, as I said, I was ready to hand my resignation in. In all the excitement, I was told a couple of weeks later that I didn't get the job. Oh, man. I trusted in that promise and it failed me. It broke me. I was devastated. I was finished. Long story short, a month later, I got the job because the person that they hired then didn't work out. But within that month gap, within that waiting, I had to learn that I mustn't trust the promise that was given to me, but the promiser who gave it to me. You know, the Israelites, they did the same. They trusted the promiser. You know, when walking around the walls, they did it for seven days. And then after the seventh time on the seventh day, Joshua shouts, in, in Joshua 6 verse 16, he says, Shout for the Lord has given you the city. There's complete trust in the promiser. Complete, right from day one, right until the end. Because he, they trusted the one that gave them the, the victory and not the victory itself. Abraham is another great example of someone who trusted the promiser and not the promise. You can read this journey between Genesis 12 and 21. And, you know, Abraham was given a promise that he would be a father of many nations. Um, him and Sarah were promised a son. And they waited. They waited years and years and years and years and years. Freak, things happened, eh? Like, <laughs> they moved a couple of times. Uh, there was a city destroyed. And oh, it's, uh, there was more drama then than it happens in Riverdale at the moment. Like, I mean... It's just, there was drama. And they waited. And it doesn't look like anything's happening in the promise. And eventually Sarah gets to the point where she's like, no, enough. Enough is enough. I'm taking things into my own hands. And she's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I know the promise is coming, so I'm, I'm going to try and fulfill it myself. So she takes her maidservant and she says, yeah, Abraham, take my maidservant, bear a child. Let's get this thing going because, you know, we're not getting any younger yet. Abraham, being the good husband that he is, he ain't going to say no. You know, like, happy wife, happy life kind of thing. That's... She's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to say no to that. <laughs> so he does. And this even causes more strife in the family. Because she tried to rush the promise. You know, when we try and rush the promise, when we try and take it into our own hands, the promise tends to fail. And simply as well, because... We are not strong enough to carry that promise. We, 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 we aren't strong enough to carry the weight of what that promise is. You know, in that time of persevering and in that time of waiting and renewing our strength and trusting the promise, that God is building something in us. God is building something through us and in us that when the promise does come, we are able to carry the weight of that promise. but we need to continue to persevere. We need to continue to wait on the Lord and he will renew our strength. Trust the promiser and let Jesus Christ, the source of our strength, be our strength. So when the promise comes, we're able to carry it. 
Church, when we trust the promise, it can fail us. But when we trust the promiser, he remains faithful. See, God never fails us. God is able to fulfill his promises, no matter what. He's able to fulfill it. But even if he doesn't, I will wait. I will trust in the promiser because he is greater than the promise will ever be. Our God is eternal. Our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is, he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And God is able to fulfill every promise that he makes. But you know what, church? Even if he doesn't, I will persevere. Even if he doesn't, I will wait. Church, what promise are you persevering in and waiting on at the moment? How long has it been? Has it been months? Has it been years? Maybe you've been waiting and persevering in a promise this very year, 2018. And you're thinking, okay, well, the year's nearly up. You know, it doesn't look like it's coming to pass. Can I encourage you not to give up? Can I encourage you to keep persevering? Keep waiting? Keep renewing your strength. Keep trusting the promiser because he is eternal. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he is able to fulfill every single promise that he makes. I wanna ask us to bow our heads and close our eyes this morning as we get a chance to respond to this this morning. I want to ask those who have been waiting on a promise, have been persevering on a promise. Maybe it has been months, maybe it has been years. It's something, maybe it's something this year that you've been waiting on. I want the opportunity, I want the great opportunity to pray for us. And, and I'm going to ask you to respond this morning if that's you. And my hands up first, waiting on something persevering on something. If you have been, I want to ask you to raise your hands. If you've been waiting on something, maybe it's been months, years, maybe it's this year. His hands going up all over the place. That's great. You know, God is eternal. He is the Alpha and Omega, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He is able to fulfill those promises. All we have to do is just trust in Him. Keep our faith in Him. You know, for Israelites, it was seven days. For Abraham, it was over 25 years. God is able to come through. If there's anyone else this morning. Lord, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you are the God that is able to fulfill every promise this morning. You are the God that is able to come through like you did for the Israelites, like you did for Abraham. Lord, I pray that you will just come through for each and every one of us this morning, that you will fulfill and and that you will um, uh, show up, Lord, because you never fail us. And whether we be waiting for months or years or this year, God, that you will come through and be faithful to that promise, Lord. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. While we stay in this attitude of prayer, with our heads still bowed and our eyes still closed, 
I want to give a second group the opportunity to respond this morning. And I want to tell you about a promise that God has given us already. A promise that we don't have to persevere in or wait on. Because it's a promise that has already been given to us. And this promise is the promise of salvation. The Bible says that everyone has sinned and fallen short. And this creates a gap between God and us. But there is a promise of salvation. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever may believe in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. This promise washes away our sin. This promise, it bridges the gap between us and God. This be- the beauty of this promise is that it's already done. All we have to do is respond to the one who's given it. Respond to Jesus Christ this morning. It says that everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. For if we believe in our hearts, and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, we will be saved. Church, if that's you, if you feel like that's you this morning, I want you to respond, to raise your hand this morning, to respond to the promiser, the one who's, who's given us a promise of salvation this morning. And this promise is amazing. It's the greatest promise in history. Because no matter what we've done, no matter who we are, the promise is available to us. Available to us right here, right now, in the very seat that we're sitting in. All we have to do is respond to Jesus this morning. I ask that you will respond to Jesus Christ this morning. Respond to the, the promise of salvation. It's already here for us. I'm gonna wait one more minute. Respond to Jesus this morning because this promise is the greatest gift in history. It's a gift that you and I can freely receive right here, right now. Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your love and your grace. We thank you for for being the great promiser, Father, for the one who fulfills his promises. We thank you that you are eternal, that you are the God of yesterday and today and forevermore. Jesus' mighty name. Amen. This message was recorded live at Thrive Church. We hope that it inspired you to move towards Jesus.